Today is Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A steep rise in violent attacks on the church here in America. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We bring you news from a Christian perspective. Let's get through the news of the cray. Joining me as always to help get through it together, CBN's Billy Hallowell and Trey Gons Phillips. On this hump day, what's going on, fellas? Live in the dream. <laughs> Caffeinated and contented, as always. Right, and one step closer to Christmas. See, I'm going to be so depressed when it's over. I always uh, hate when Christmas is over. It's like, uh, it's the worst. But we're still, it's the no worst. need to talk about that because we're still, on the, we're still on the good side of Christmas. It hasn't happened yet. Well, if you're like me and you just don't get overhyped for it, there's no big letdown on the other side. It's great. But that's pointless. You got to get overhyped, but I'm, I am actually already depressed when I think about it ending, which I know is a real problem. I'm already like, I right. have to pull myself back from that. I get hyped. So he is caffeinated, but he's depressed. I get <laughs> o- hyped on the appropriate day to get hyped for Christmas, which is Christmas Eve. And then that's a little late. That's a little late. Yeah, that's too late. See, I think it's pointless in the reverse. I think it's pointless to be hyped in, you know, October. No, when you, you got to wait all this to time. Marinate. Well, I'm sorry, Dan, that you want to steal Christmas, but the rest of us want to enjoy it a little, Krampus. But, but it's not here. It's not here for another. <laughs> it is. We we are in the season. We have a, but we read our our devotional every night leading up to it for a month. There's lights on every day. Our house is crazy. I love it. The Christmas records are playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every morning, every night, we start the Christmas music starts at six forty-five in my house. Contact and it doesn't at, go off until what eleven thirty. <laughs> Listen, yep, that's right. Contact at faithwire.com. Email me. Am I a Grinch or not? I or are you in agreement with me? I'd like to know. But he's uh, still in Christmas. Yeah. Let him know. We've got a lot of stuff coming up on the podcast. We got an update on Kirk Cameron. We also have the uh, story of Granger Smith, who lost his three-year-old son in a horrific accident. He spoke with Trey Gones Phillips, talking about that grief and how God has used that whole situation. So we have all that coming up and more on the podcast. But first, we are going to get through the news in ninety seconds. A 6.4 magnitude earthquake rattled the coastline of Northern California yesterday, knocking out power for tens of thousands of people and triggering a series of aftershocks. A new report reveals that American churches have seen a steady rise in acts of hostility in recent years. Now the Department of Homeland Security is pushing to keep houses of worship safe given deadly attacks already this year and warnings that more could come. It's named 25 faith leaders to a new faith-based advisory council to better coordinate timely information about threat concerns. Of course, we already know that pregnancy centers have been targeted as well uh, in 2022. You can read more about that on CBNNews.com. And a woman allegedly broke into Robert De Niro's Upper East Side New York City townhome and began trying to steal multiple presents from under his Christmas tree in the early hours of December 19th. This is according to multiple outlets. Shanice Viles, who is 30 years old, was subsequently arrested on burglary charges. She has 26 prior arrests for burglaries. Um, Officers noticed her out on the street and then saw her walk into De Niro's home and then followed him in and arrested her. So... Those are just some of the top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Guys, I want to get into this church attack story real quick, but 
I had to just cover this De Niro thing because I'm just flabbergasted. I don't know what to call the actions of this woman. <laughs> um, you know, you see a lot of these videos of dumb criminals. I mean, she's walking on the street and the officers are right there on the street and she proceeds to enter the home, which they, I think they knew who she was. They, they recognized her because she has 26 prior arrests for burglary. So when she went into this obviously upscale townhome, uh, they, they, and didn't return out, they followed in and there she was. And apparently De Niro came down and saw her opening these presents. What a bizarre scene. And of all houses, she's in Robert De Niro's house. I just, I can't with this. What in the world is going on? I mean, curiosity caught the cat. I don't know what you want. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, is this terrible though? Like as I'm, as I was reading about this story, I'm, I was chuckling because I'm like, thank God everybody was okay. Yeah. Yes, this could have yeah. been serious, right? Like this could have been a very, sure. uh, but you know, you're wondering what did Robert De Niro have under that tree? <laughs> that was the only thing I could think of as, right. I, was, as I, I was reading the story. I don't know if either one of y'all have seen meet the parents or, uh, yeah. Meet the Fockers, but literally the only thing I am thinking of right now is his character coming down and seeing this woman standing at the tree like, excuse me, can I help you with something? I just, and also I feel like she almost she, deserves, she, she almost deserves applause and, yeah. for having been, I mean, for having done this, what, what do you say, Dan? 26 times. 26 times. I know. I, still she's out, very, very proud of world. herself. She does. Very I, proud of herself. I think yeah. of the line from Shawshank Redemption when the one guy comes in later after they've been in for a while and he's talking about all the times he's gotten arrested <laughs> and they say, you know what? Maybe you should try a new career. And he's like, what? He's like, you're not obviously not very good at being a criminal <laughs> burglar. So maybe you need to try something new. I'm thinking maybe 26 arrests at age 30 is quite impressive. That is, That's quite a rap sheet. I don't know how you do that yeah. and keep getting out. I don't know. but um, And maybe Robert De Niro. I don't know. Maybe in, you know, I know he's, I know he's big uh, on the Democrat side of things, so I'm sure... He was more than willing to just go ahead and give those gifts up, right? I mean, like, let's just spread the wealth out a little bit. Somebody here needs some <laughs> gifts. And uh, I mean, how many gifts are, were need, under this tree? I, right. I, I need to know. I That is all I want to know. What did you have under your tree? Who were they for? I have so many questions about the gifts. I also want to know, did, she, yeah, the gifts would be did she know? That it was Robert De Niro. There's no chance. <laughs> so you no turn chance around and you see Robert De Niro just standing like <laughs> something, something in his, in his robe, in his robe, like watching you steal uh, from his tree. And then you not then she accident when when she's confronted, you know, turns around and then accidentally knocks over the urn on the on the shelf there, yes, just yes. like in the movie. So, okay, here's the thing: if Cat I if, if I happen to be the burglar who was this woman going into the house, how do you walk out of the house without asking the officers if you can get an autograph before you go? <laughs> so that's a um, let's just shall we say um, intelligence challenged burglar there. <laughs> uh, so just an amusing story. I thought I'm glad, like you said, Billy, glad everyone's all right. But real quick, let's talk about this: the the new report on the churches, the yeah. steady rise in acts of hostility. DHS appears to have done something, which is more than what they've done on these crisis pregnancy centers. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got you've got a situation where the rhetoric we talk a lot about rhetoric and people love to blame people's actions on rhetoric. Um, but we have a population right now that is not very educated on the First Amendment, not very educated on religious freedom rights, not ve 
very educated on what religious groups even do to help others, the good that they do. And this carries over to these you know, crisis pregnancy centers, this, this negative rhetoric that has been spewed out endlessly. To me, there's no shock that when you're not being educated about who these people really are, these religious people, you assume they're evil and terrible. And, and there are consequences to some of that. Yeah. Well, and we live in a culture where the media consistently suggests that Planned Parenthood is the only option, right? That's why so many people turn to abortion, because they're told over and over and over and over again that the only option other than having the child is aborting the child, uh, when there are obviously plenty of other things things available to you. So I I think it's just the, the way that we've demonized everything not abortion yeah uh, that i think it's just the culture's knee-jerk reaction right is to have a problem with anything that's if you see a, a, a crisis pregnancy center and and certainly one run by christians we've been programmed to our default setting is they have to be bad right well and and not only that you disagree with them but the hyperbole used to describe christians and the damn and pro-lifers and the quote-unquote damage they're causing they're stirring people up into this this fear right. and this worry to the point where people are starting to act because they're so afraid. Oh, they're taking your health care away. They're taking your ability to manage your own body. Right. Yeah, they really believe that serious things are happening and and, yeah. and these violations are happening and that they're really the boogeyman, And which, which we know is not the case at all. And that's just a very exaggerated messaging to describe something that, you know, a group that you just have differing. Uh, views with and it's obviously resulting in a really really troubling trend so um but we're, we're gonna head into the next story here we'll keep an eye on that one obviously over at cbn news and faithwire.com as as more information comes out about that as i'm sure uh, it will over time but i want to head into the next story here and there is an update on the kirk cameron library debacle the saga that just won't end billy what is going on now Well, Kirk Cameron is declaring victory after two of the libraries that apparently would not let him come have allegedly reversed course, and they're now going to let him read his new faith-based book, As You Grow. That's the name of the book. Um, He will be reading that next week on Thursday and Friday. Um, He'll be heading to Indianapolis, Indiana, to the Indianapolis Public Library, and also to the Scarsdale Public Library, which coincidentally is just a couple of towns over from where I live. So that'll be on December 30th. So you're going to yeah, go. He's, he's ex- uh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to be there. <laughs> I will be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So <laughs> yeah, he's excited about this. Happy about the fact that he believes, you know, he's had a real first amendment win here. What is uh, Kirk hoping to accomplish with all this? I mean, I'm obviously I know the goals for his book, I'm sure, but um, with the whole library push, what do you think he's trying to accomplish? Yeah, you know, he said, look, I, I'm happy that the two libraries have changed their decision. Um, he said that he's glad they're going to let him have his voice be heard and he'll get a chance to read his book. Uh, but he also said that he hopes they realize that their position of denying him a story hour time, which remember, they reached out to a ton of libraries, at least 50 of them, um, that apparently none of those libraries said yes initially. Uh, but he said he hopes they realize that this was unfair, that it was illegal. Um, And he said, and I thought this was an interesting piece of of this puzzle here. He's like, we would all be better off if we listen to each other's perspectives. And he talked about hoping that this would be a source of courage for conservatives and Christians and that it would encourage them to speak out, but also to be the light in the darkness. Why do you think this story is making so many headlines? Because it's really been picked up uh, kind of nationally and we're seeing it all over the place. Why do you think there's such interest? 
Yeah, I think what's going on here is for so long, a lot of conservatives would say, oh, the media is biased or universities are biased or education has a problem. And, and it was ignored, dismissed, a lot of people on the progressive side pretending it wasn't happening. But what's starting to happen now is you're having these big, undeniable examples of this happening. And when you're talking about something from a 30,000 foot level, it's often hard to make the point, right? But when you have specific examples that are visceral, you could feel them, you could see them, um, it really resonates with people. And I think because we're seeing more of those develop, people are more emboldened and paying more attention to them. And so I think this is an example of that, right? Of, of libraries allegedly saying, you're not welcome, but these other ideas, these drag queen story hours, they are welcome. Yeah. Do you think that this is something that Christians and others can use um, as an example to sort of highlight some of these ideological uh, differences and inequalities that are going on right now? I think so. I think what we have to do is not, you don't want to be a victim all the time, right? Yeah. There is a real bias. These issues are real. They need to be called out. And I don't actually look at Kirk in this situation as being a victim. He fought back. He threatened to sue. He's like, I'm not going to stand for this. And apparently from what we're seeing, two libraries you know, change their mind. So I think that's how you sort of stand up um, and you do it in a bold way. So I think Christians need to do that, but they need to remember to love people in the process. And I, and I think he did a good job of that. I didn't see him say or do anything that would violate that commandment. Yeah, I think it's a good example for for the reasons you stated for just rank and file Christians, uh, those of us just going along with life. Inevitably, you're going to run into some to some situation where like this, given the increased proliferation of LGBT related events and their kind of um, really disagreement with the Christian community. And so those things are going to just come to a head a lot of times. And so it, it might be a small thing. It might be at your local library. It might be somewhere else. It might be some other event you're trying to do. Anyway, this is a good sort of template to look at. Okay, how do I handle this when I inevitably get into one of these situations where a group I'm part of or a church I'm part of is trying to do something, but they won't allow it, yet at the same time, they're allowing some of these other things. So I, I think it's only a matter of time before we experience this in our own circles. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, th- I definitely think that's that that's the case. So this is this is coming to a head, I think, culturally. Uh, so I think it's a good thing that that we're having these conversations and that Kirk is willing to to step out and, and do this. Uh, but I, 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 it's just, it's unfortunate that we're, it's the same thing as, as the crisis pregnancy centers thing, right? That we're to this place in our culture where the other is always the villain. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the cultural narrative that we've, that we've set up. So we've created this atmosphere where the only way to engage issues like this is to to do what Kirk is doing and to do what Dale Partridge has been doing with his pastor story hour thing is to go out and literally do the exact opposite from another perspective just to show people that this needs to be this needs to be taking place that Christians and conservatives are not some villain to be afraid of and also that the drag queen story hour is not the is not the middle ground that the secular world has tried to act like it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to keep an eye on stories like these. Billy, thanks for, you know, catching up with Kirk and getting those comments from him. Appreciate that. Um, you can check out those stories. Billy has those up over on uh, faithwire.com. They're also on cbnnews.com as well. You can check them out there. All right, we're going to head into the main thing now. And three years ago, country singer Granger Smith lost his three-year-old son in a horrific drowning accident and he spoke with Tragons Phillips about 
processing that grief, how the Lord has used it for his glory, and offer some godly wisdom to others feeling discouraged this Christmas. That's today's main thing. For many, Granger Smith became a household name in 2019 when the tragic news of his three-year-old son's death began spreading on social media. In June of that year, River died in a horrible drowning accident. Now, three years later, Granger Smith is reflecting on that loss, and he's offering godly wisdom to others who are feeling the pangs of grief this Christmas season. He's also the star of a new Pureflix movie, Moonrise, in which he plays a widowed country singer. Facing parallel tragedies, Granger's character, Will Brown, has to learn to process his own sorrow while mending his relationship with his young daughter. Here's part of our conversation with Granger Smith. My wife and I have, have processed that grief publicly on purpose. That was a, That's a choice because we could have just closed our doors and told every media outlet, we're not talking about that. Um, only talk about music, nothing else. We could have done that, but we chose from the very beginning as we saw that if we are vulnerable with our story, then we we have the opportunity to help others. Mm-hmm. And through the helping of others, not because we're just these, you know, we're taking this moral high ground and we're, you know, we're, we're these kind of people that, you know, feed off that. It's what happens is when we do help others through our grief, we realize that is part of our healing, a big part of our healing, because we could realize through that, that that the tragedy and loss and hurt and sadness and pain for a Christian is not meaningless. Yeah. It has a purpose. As Paul said, it is, it is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So we, we realize that we grieve with hope, that grieving hurts, that it is painful, but it is not meaningless. You know, there's a, a post that you shared not that long ago on social media where you're talking about everything happens for a reason, right? God allows all kinds of things, the good and the bad, to happen yeah. for a reason, but we don't see the full picture all the time. Uh, we are only able to see what's right in front of us. And that's actually a theme that's throughout Moonrise too, right? Is is this father and and kids that are learning to process something and they're only seeing a really small piece of the picture, as tough as that is. Why do you think it's so important that we only see what's in front of us? Why does God shield us from seeing everything? Well, if we could see everything, then we would. It's imagine, imagine like this. Uh, I think what you're probably referring to is the when I talk about the mosaic. Yeah, and it's like this idea that if you there's this beautiful European mosaic artwork, you know, those little tiles all stacked up around each other. And if you're looking at it up close, it just looks like a blob. It looks like nothing. But when you start stepping back slowly, you could see it's a beautiful masterpiece. But if the very beginning, if you could see that it was a beautiful masterpiece, you'd say, oh, this is my life. This is what it turns out to be. Great. Then I'm going to start planning on this part of my life because that's great. And I really want, and God's like, no, I don't want you on that part. I need you to go through this part. God does this. God builds these beautiful stories, these beautiful narratives, this beautiful mosaic over and over as we see his character revealed in the Bible. For instance, when, he, when we prophesy, when the Bible prophesies that there's going to be a baby born, the savior of the world in Bethlehem, why didn't God just choose a girl from Bethlehem? But no, he chooses one from Nazareth. 
and then has to coordinate this big, this massive census and, and then take this, this girl on a donkey and then there's not a room left. And so she has to go into the barn, into the hay. Like That is so difficult. Why does God do that? Because he writes these beautiful narratives and, and it, it, we should look at the Bible and see this and go, man, my life can't be cookie cutter because that's just mm-hmm. not the way God operates. He doesn't yeah. pick a girl from Bethlehem that's already in her house and has a baby right there in the home. That's not how he works. He builds these stories. Why can David just be the first king? Why didn't David, why didn't God anoint David as the first king? No, he needed to anoint Saul so that Saul could then torment David, so that David could be humbled and David could learn how to appropriate mercy and grace to his people through Saul. But we don't we don't always see it like that when we're in a hard time. We don't realize that when my favorite movie always has the bad guy. And if mm-hmm. you take the bad guy out of the movie, it wouldn't be my favorite movie anymore. It'd be really boring. And that's what God does in our lives. And when we finally step back, we see the beautiful picture that he has painted. For the Christian or or non-believer, whoever who's struggling with loss, I think Christmas is either a great season for people uh, or it can also be a tough season because it magnifies those losses for people. So if somebody's struggling right now as we're entering into the holiday season, what word of wisdom or, or encouragement would you give them? Yeah, first of all, you're not alone. And that's a normal feeling. You could feel, you could feel a couple different ways. And one of them could be, you know, I'm, I'm a Grinch. I need to stop this. Like, I, I don't really feel like decorating the house right now. Uh, I don't really feel like putting up Christmas lights outside. And I don't really feel like inviting people over and eating turkey and ham. I kind of just want to crawl in the closet and just cry and stay in the dark. And you know what? That's a normal feeling. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. In fact, no one would blame you for that. There are so many millions of people this Christmas right now thinking this. And I've talked to a lot of them. And and I'm sure you have too, Trey. People are going through this. People have lost. They lost their mother in May. They lost their father in September. They lost their grandpa in February. And here we are, the first Christmas without them. So the message is, first of all, we hear you. You're not alone. There is joy on the other side of this. You will not feel this way every Christmas from now on. You will one day smile and and open up a gift from your spouse and say, Grandpa would have loved this because Grandpa loved Christmas so much. And you'll smile instead of cry. The The other side of that coin is this Christmas, someone experiencing loss might accidentally smile. And instantly feel guilt for that. Yeah. How could you smile? How could you? How do you dare smile when your grandpa's gone and he loved this and he taught you everything you know about Christmas? How could you smile without him here? And that is a lie from the enemy. And and that that is a that guilt is a thief that's coming in to steal your joy. When it, the reality is, joy and grief can coexist at the same time. And there's nothing wrong with crying or laughing or smiling this holiday season with whatever you're going through. All right, Trey, thanks so much for that conversation there. And if you'd like to hear the full conversation, head on over to the CBN News YouTube channel. You can find it there and also in the description of this podcast episode. All right. 
That leaves us with time for one last thing today, and we're going to head over to Luke 18, uh, 16, and it says, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And I just think that's a great reminder. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in theology, and it's great to dive deep into theology, but let's not lose that childlike faith to cling on to that, because obviously we don't want to lose that. Well, yeah, some of the most academic people in the world are thinking so deeply that they've forgotten common sense. And that's what we're watching happen all around us. And we see it happen too often when it comes to faith. Yeah, you know, I think so often, too, throughout Scripture, it talks about having a childlike faith and coming to Christ or coming to the Lord in humility. And so much of our faith really should be so basic, right, to rely on the Lord. And we make it so complicated in our own sinful thinking sometimes that really it's just good to hear verses like this because it reminds us to get back to yeah. basics and trust what we know is true. Yeah, absolutely. How many times do you see in the Bible um, people when, when Jesus is saying your faith has made you well? And you see people come with that childlike faith, the sick woman who just touched Jesus's cloak and was healed. And the centurion who is like, Jesus, you don't even have to go to my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. You see that childlike faith and that is greatly rewarded and valued by Jesus in the scriptures. So it's a great reminder for us today. And that's a good spot for us to leave it as we head in. And it's, it's Friday Junior tomorrow already. How about that? Can't wait. I'm telling you, it's the quick start challenge. We haven't done it in a while, but don't forget, you listen to this podcast, you get through your week just smoother and quicker. I mean, it's just, it's science. Don't question it. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. God bless.